Here we go. Hello. Hello. Welcome to I Hate Your Movie. This is First Impressions. Ring. Hit the thing. <laughs> that should be our tagline. You hit the thing. <laughs> That's the real catchphrase that don't make it into the edits usually. Oh, I hit the thing. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. I hit the thing. I hit the thing so many times. Been better recently. <laughs> you are getting slightly better. We watched Poor Things. Poor Things. A movie that just came out in 2024, January. Directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Yorgos Lanthimos? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yorgos Lanthimos should make a movie with Panos Cosmetos. And then <laughs> I could say directed by Yorgos Lanthimos and Panos Cosmetos. Who's Panos Cosmetos? He made Mandy. <laughs> they could make <laughs> world's weirdest film together. It stars Emma Stone, uh, Willem Dafoe, Mark Not Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos. He directed some of your favorite films, such as The Lobster and The Favorite. Yeah, so I went into this film just truly hating this director's wow. previous work. The Lobster is like one of my go-to films for bad. <laughs> Favorite was just massively overrated, I thought. Okay. I liked The Favorite and I liked I loved the first half of Lobster and then the second half it kind of fizzles out to me. I describe poor things as Frankenhooker meets Ex Machina. Okay. And you never seen Frankenhooker because you're not a B movie. Oh, guy. it's an actual film. It's an actual I film. You were, <laughs> I thought you were making stuff up. No, Frankenhooker is actually a B movie that has pretty much the same plot as this, which is very <laughs> funny. And yeah, Ex Machina. Well, Frankenhooker, I don't have to describe it to you. The title describes it itself. Yeah. And Ex Machina is, you know, about the controlling man and the sentient life that just explores itself. It's a weird mix. And cool dancing. And cool dancing, yeah. What did you think of Poor Things? I, surprisingly, really enjoyed Poor Things. Oh, wow. Yeah. It I... is surprising, especially that the movie is 60% of sweaty people, sweaty gross people having sex. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> There's a lot of sex in this film. Yeah. But I think it's, I don't want to say tastefully done. I think every part of it serves a purpose. Yeah, it's, it's done for a story reason, yeah, a character it, reason. Yeah, it tells part of the story instead of just being like a stop yeah. for, for the sake of nudity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed this film. I loved it. Yeah. This movie is like made for me. I love weirdo shit like this. I almost want to say, even though cinema is dying, the fact that this movie gets a wide release is like some hope for me. You can never release something like this in the past. Not in a wide release. Maybe in like a weird, stinky porno theater or straight to video. What is this film? What happened? A lot of things happened. I have no idea. <laughs> I do have an idea, but it's... It's so difficult to unpack. Yeah. It is and it isn't. In a way, it's very simple. So the plot takes place in this kind of alternate universe almost that's kind of steampunkish, Victorian era. Very light steampunk. Yeah. But there's it has that kind of element of this retro-futurism of what people in the 1900s probably thought the world would be now horseless carriages that still move with like engines and stuff like a horse head yeah like a horse head to make it look like a horse-drawn carriage yeah yeah, yeah. a car steam-powered car 
but the most fictitious and the most important element of the film was body modification. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of like uh, cross stitched animals. <laughs> cross stitched animals. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Yeah. Uh, hybrid animals. Yeah, so you've got like a dog with a duck's head. Yeah. You know, a duck with a pig's head. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. The plot revolves around this lady who killed herself when she was pregnant and she was retrieved by this monstrous looking scientist and he put the baby's brain into the adult mother's head yep. so that she could live again in a way. It was a weird experiment. And it resulted in Frankenhooker, Emma Stone. There's a lot more that happens before Frankenhooker. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but what's her name? Bella... Bella Baxter. Bella Baxter. It results in her, this child in a, an adult person's body. What did you think of her performance? I thought it was amazing. I thought it was too, yeah. The amount of skill. Mm. That... Physical and mental. Yeah, it's just it's unbelievable. Yeah. You can really see why Emma Stone is kind of on that same level was like Margot Robbie. Like you could see her in Babylon, you can see her in Barbie because you need that high level of acting Mm -hmm. skills to make those films what they are. I have a question about that. Okay. In the Babylon review, I'm not sure if I kept it in, but you said something like Amber Stone was up for the part. At the time I was like, oh, that wouldn't have been as good. But no, after watching this, it was 100%. Yeah, yeah. I thought so too. It's a very interesting character because... It's a baby in an adult person's body, so there's obviously like motor skill issues and and movement issues and that kind of stuff. But also there's like this naivety of exploring the world. And that's what the whole film is about to me, is putting like a naive mind into the world and see how they explore it. And some of it is very wrong. (laughs) Yeah, to me as well, it's the same. If you looked at the world through completely fresh eyes, what would your reaction to that be? Yeah. Like you say, it's not good. It's not good. So first of all, Willem Dafoe hires Max. Yeah. The cuckold surgeon. <laughs> cuckold surgeon. <laughs> yeah, the nice guy. Yeah. He, by the way, was also very, very good. He is in none of the billings for this film. Like, I have not seen him in the name on a poster. I have not seen well, he's it. not a celebrity. Uh, yeah, but he was one of the better people in it. I thought he okay. was better than, like, Willem Dafoe. I think he was on par with, if not better than Mark Ruffalo as well. Okay. It's hard to judge for me, that character, because he doesn't get much to do. He done what he had to do well. I think you see kind of like the battle in emotions of him because he's such the nice guy. Mm-hmm. And when like Bella says these shocking things to him about being Frankenhooker, <laughs> you can see it in his face. Mm-hmm. The kind of shock, anger, mm. understanding, and then what comes out is just nice. Okay. I felt that anyway. Okay. I Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. we just seen this film, so it's hard to, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, it's hard to do a first impressions because you have to sit with it kind of for a while. This is the kind of film that you kind of should really sit with. And yeah. Stop should. listening to this so much, this film. <laughs> By the way, if you're enjoying this episode, please hit the like button. Don't forget to subscribe. And we also have a Patreon. Where for £1 or $1 a month, you can listen to bonus episodes that we do and also recommend us movies and join a great community of people. Patreon.com slash I Hate Your Movie. It's also in the description box. Check it out. Thank you very much. Bella wants to explore the world and there's an opportunity and the opportunity is Mark Ruffalo. 
Now I think one of the weak points of this film, I've got to be accurate in phrasing this, but I think it's the casting of Mark Ruffalo. Okay. So I think he did a really good job. But to me, the movie wanted to sell this kind of personality and he just doesn't have that. Yeah. He's just kind of like a nice guy who's acting like a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like his husband later would have been a much better pick for that. And because spoiler alert, spoiler alert for the whole movie. <laughs> um, Mark Ruffalo goes on from this journey of charming bachelorette. Bachelorette. Bachelor, bachelor, b- bachelor, as that one, <laughs> <laughs> charming, <laughs> charming bachelor, to like a lovelorn loser, loser kind of obsessive, obsessive, kind of yeah, kind of crazy, kind of yeah. And I felt like that would have been a higher contrast with that guy, because Mark Ruffalo, I, he doesn't look like the charming <laughs> bachelor <laughs> to me, you know. What yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. We keep making comments about his looks good. He's yeah, he looks fine. It doesn't. I, I can't really buy the running away with sex adventures angle. No, it's like if you cast Mark Ruffalo as Iron Man. Yeah, it just doesn't work. But to be fair, he was the funniest character in the movie to me. Okay. But it's just like yeah, I wish the casting would have been different. But he did what he could with you know what he's got, which is his nice face. <laughs> I really liked. All like the stylized sets and locations mm-hmm. and everything was very colorful. Oh yeah, very... we watched it on a super screen. <laughs> it's like we went into this movie joking like, "Oh, it's not gonna be like some visual film. Like, what are we gonna watch? Gone with the Wind, 3D, IMAX." But no, it was amazing. The sky looked amazing. The sets, the like the city sets, it was so colorful and so imaginative. And even though like it, the movie totally didn't need that at all. No. And it's just like, there's clearly so much attention put into that world, even though it's like, it's just the setting. And that's what kept my interest in the whole project, yeah. the whole film, yeah. Because when not a lot was happening on the screen, you could turn to these sets and you could turn to the visual style of the film and just be amazed. Okay. For me, it was the character who kept it going. Bella's character who's like, yeah, I would watch anything thrown at her and how she reacts it would be interesting because she's like this mix of she was raised in this high scientific household at the same time she's still developing and has this naivete so even though she is like childish she does lay down some logic and facts which is very interesting and it's also interesting as well because she comes from this high society thing to see later in the film how she interacts with like poor yeah the downtrodden of the world. Yeah. It's a really interesting dynamic. I think it's about a third of the way through the film, maybe even earlier, maybe like a quarter of the way through the okay. film, where Emma Stone tries to put an apple in her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she's exploring her sexuality. The dialogue is amazing. Like, there's so many funny things. One dialogue I do remember is, what a charming retard. <laughs> <laughs> which is like one of the first dialogues ever oh speaking of you know going a little bit back to emma stone's portrayal you know she learned from robert down jr in a blackface everybody knows you never go full retard dustin hoffman ray man look retarded act retarded not retarded cat two picks cheetah cards autistic show not retarded you got tom hanks forrest gump slow yes retarded maybe braces on his legs 
But he chomped the pants off next to him and won a ping pong competition. That ain't retarded. And he was a goddamn war hero. Right. You know any retarded war heroes? You went full retard, man. <laughs> she was just on the line sometimes, you know? She threaded that needle so <laughs> carefully. Some scenes could have come across like, oh my god, this is embarrassing. But like, she pulled back just enough that it was amazing. Yeah, you always got the feeling that there was something going on behind her eyes. Yeah. Some kind yeah. of method and thought. And... Her big eyes. Yeah, they do a good job with like, I don't know if it was on purpose, but the makeup and stuff and the hair. She usually has like more volume in her hair. I think it distracts from her giant big eyes. <laughs> and it was a good idea just to slap that shit down, put some gel on it. The biggest eyes in the world. What do you think about like the implications of this movie that this is basically a child in a human's body and it's weird? <laughs> that question came up to me the most when Willem Dafoe's character offers to marry her off to the yeah. to Max, mm-hmm. the understudy. Yeah. And I kind of in my head, how old is Bella? Yeah. Still a child. Yeah, are you going are you going by body or mind? Yeah. <sighs> I love the movies and stories that kind of walk on the line and just explore weird things that, you know, like if you think about it too hard, it's got to be awful. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, though. I love that. And it does does go into the awfulness. Yeah, that's the point of of cinema is to kind of show you things and make you question. Yeah, like Avengers Endgame. Yeah. It made me question whether Captain America can hold Mjolnir. (laughs) <laughs> but genuinely, does it not make you question Endgame, <laughs> like, the scarcity of resources on the planet, and would, like, a Thanos-like event improve the world overall, mm-hmm. eventually? I've heard political discussions on it. That's really? interesting. Yeah, because, so they call it utilitarian. Mm-hmm. And utilitarian is basically, if I really boil it down, is basically just the ends justify the means. But that's a very black and white view of it it's more like the ends justify the means but the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. that too and and the the needs are not necessarily just survival the needs could be emotional you know health that kind of stuff so it's not as cold as it seems to be and love like right wingers say that uh, this thanos thing is like the end conclusion to that and it is but it's, it's, it's went to, so far to the extreme that it, it, something like that will never happen, you know? Even though it is like a good thought experiment of what would happen. See? You scoffed. When I said, does Endgame make you question, you <laughs> scoffed loudly at me for that. And now here you are giving us a lesson on utilitarianism. <laughs> so, uh, you know. So, no. <laughs> he could have made food with the gauntlet, though. He could have made condoms. <laughs> <laughs> stop! Stop! Make, stop happening! Yeah, stop. create more resources. Yeah, yeah he, sh- he should have created more resources. He could have turned his army into spaghetti, and everyone could eat him. I don't know. Poor things. <laughs> Poor things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, time for an uncomfortable conversation. Go on. How's an apple go up a vagina? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen that video. <laughs> Oh, visibly uncomfortable. Okay, that's fine. The use of sex in this film mm-hmm. never felt unnecessary. Yeah, it always served the character and the story. 
And what they were going for is this theme of womanhood, really. What is it like to be a woman, but also like being born without society's gender roles and what people expect from you as a woman. She was trapped. Everyone kept telling her to behave like this or that. And she never wanted to. It was great. And then at some point, she does learn kind of to be within society in a way where she gives up some of her freedom for to explore other things. That's the when she becomes Frank and Hooker. Next episode, <laughs> Frank and Hooker. I think it was very free, very like sex positive in a lot of ways. Yeah, it was, and it explored it thoroughly, like all the bad and all the good. Yeah, never so bad that it was like gratuitous, or you know, it's you could have easily put like a like a whipping scene into this film that mm-hmm. she didn't really didn't enjoy that would have been too far. Yeah, and they did well to steer away from that. Yeah, it really could have gone down a really bad. Yeah, yeah. and really milked that emotional kind of thing where she gets raped or something but she doesn't so that's good so well done screenwriter and it really is hard to avoid that like you know um, notable bad B movies like Frankenhooker (laughs) they always like go like what's the cheapest emotional thing we can do quickly it's always rape all the B movies have full of rape I think Natalie Borman once said she because she took a break from acting and she was getting all these scripts and about 50% of them had like a rape scene in it. Mm-hmm. And she just, it was enough. Yeah. Like it's, it's too cheap. It's too easy. Yeah. It's too manipulative to the audience. Hmm. It's not good filmmaking. Yeah. Well, you know, if you have a reason, if you have a really good reason, you should include it. But, you know, it usually it is just a cheap tactic to have some quick emotional moment instead of like what happens in this movie is like building up slowly the drama and the characters which is harder to do for sure I saw Mark Ruffalo's sweaty ass bouncing on (laughs) (laughs) was it aggressive jumping aggressive jumping was this was the word for sex (laughs) (laughs) I like all her funny words the dialogue was really good I wonder if it came from the book or not probably did some of it at least yeah I would have thought oh yeah yeah are you interested in reading the book yeah but I probably won't okay because I'm like just busy life I'm busy editing out. Are you touching the fucking microphone? <laughs> Do you think in this film, Bella Baxter's character has like a very clear birth, childhood, puberty, young woman, adult journey? Do you see that? Because I, I kind of see that mm-hmm. a little bit, but it's very hidden behind. I found in the way that she walks... The way that she walks throughout the film is very different as she gets older. Oh, yeah, and talks. Okay. Yeah. That's the obvious one. I do see the journey, for sure, and that's, again, like, props to Emma Stone. She must have learned this on the amazing Spider-Man 2 <laughs> set. <laughs> to me, it seemed quite clear in a lot of places. Obviously, you've got the baby, and then puberty is when she discovers her fun zone, which feeds almost directly into like young womanhood where mm-hmm. the sent the need for adventure and mm-hmm. the whirlwind romances and that kind of thing and then there's the growing up mm-hmm. part where she realizes actually there's merit in what people are saying in terms of learning and intellectual pursuits yeah and then at the end she's like this fully formed yeah. person gets a good breakdown of it yeah especially for privileged people it takes like a long time to realize how horrible the world is 
yeah to to people other than them i guess that's one thing i wish they've gone into more of because so he approaches this cynic guy this philosopher guy name uh, and his character's name is harry his it, real name is gerald yeah harry and harry's like okay i'm gonna show you the real world harry by the way looks amazing in every scene what do his you mean? dress oh his the way dress. he's dressed his costume Whew. It's, I liked all the incredible. costumes. I liked all the costumes, yeah. being, especially yeah. his. I didn't. That didn't stuck out to me. If I could look like him for thirty seconds <laughs> of my life, I would happily like, <laughs> forfeit everything else. I like the eclectic nature of Emma Stone's outfits. I found some of it quite distractingly modern. Yeah, especially when she's walking around Lisbon in like mm-hmm. the tiny skirt and the white fashionable boots. It, it was a very like mixed media, mix of modern slash old and sometimes abruptly like in a way that she had less the victorian top and like a short skirt yeah short summer especially skirt. as i suppose it's the idea of behind it was to kind of show that everybody else is in these like traditional victorian outfits and she's kind of like the young person pushing the boundaries of what you can wear and what mm-hmm. what's acceptable in the world but yeah like especially in that scene she was wearing like a bright yellow, like fluorescent yellow, very short skirt. In that scene, I was sure that the, that she's going to be pregnant. Yeah? Yeah, because she throws up. Okay, yeah. And I was like, oh shit, here comes the melodrama. Here comes the, <laughs> she's pregnant. Yeah, here comes the abortion scene. Here comes the, yeah. They have to put the new baby's brain into her. <laughs> I, was, I was completely ready for this movie to turn shit at any moment, but it never did. No. Well done. So she meets the cynic. Oh yeah, she meets the cynic, and she, the cynic is like, "Oh, I'll show you the poor. I'll show you how it's done." And they're literally in like a fancy cafe, and they look outside the window, like they're in the ditch. There's that babies now, and I just felt like I don't know. That's it, something I might have to sit on. It felt too ab- abrupt to me. Yeah. And there was fe- definitely a more subtle way to do that. Yeah, that felt a bit cheap. Felt like a better way to do that might have been is to, instead of them looking outside of a fancy cafe, they're like going to the slums yeah. of some neighborhood. It did feel like too out touch. In a and way. you could have really like nicely stylized that as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the really colourful backdrops of her world. They cross over like a road mm-hmm. and on the other side is grey and horrible and like got mm. clouds over it. Yeah. And they walk across and then everything's bad. That could have been explored more. And also connected to that scene. So I don't, how do you feel about this? I feel like her character changed a little bit. When she was a baby, quote unquote baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she lived with Willem Dafoe, Mr. Monster. Godwin. Oh, yeah, God. He yeah. Keeps calling, she keeps calling him God. I was like, oh, wow. Subtle. <laughs> <laughs> she shows some violent tendencies. Like she stabs a corpse in the eye multiple times. Yeah. And then she that, kills the frog. She kills the frog and then never comes up again. Weirdly. Does it? Immediately after that, she kind of grows empathy, but. Why? Throughout the film, she has kind of like an emotional detachment mm-hmm. to her surroundings. Because even though she goes on this whirlwind romance with... Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> with Duncan. <laughs> even though she goes on this whirlwind romance with Duncan, you never really get a sense of feeling. Mm-hmm. She has urges. Yeah. But she doesn't really... 
She disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what that's supposed to show. Okay. I felt like she did have like a some sort of switch, but we didn't see it. Where her empathy comes on. She was disconnected, but she did feel for the dead babies in the ditch, mm-hmm. for example. So I don't know. Yeah. There's a, I felt like either take that out, the violent aspects of her, because it wasn't really necessary. I think when she's a baby, she doesn't know what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Like stabbing things in the eye. And I think the crushing of the frog is like kids pull the wings off of flies or, you know. I feel like kids have empathy legs, as well. Take the legs off of spiders and stuff. They become Ted Bundy. They become... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I feel like kids have empathy too. They just, do. But just they more don't. careless. But there's certain things they just don't understand. Okay. They don't understand what they're doing. Or maybe that is what it's supposed to show. It's supposed to show kind of her journey from that to empathy mm-hmm. it's not a continuation it's the idea you've you've grown out of such tendencies okay so then she comes back and decides to marry the cuckold guy again yeah and dun 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 turns out she was a person and that she was married yeah to a dickhead and her, and her father slash <laughs> previous lover turns, <laughs> turns up you know, you think about this movie, it's really fucked up, but yeah. that's what happens. <laughs> and what the, what got me is that it didn't seem to bother him. Yeah. I questioned whether or not he believed it. He just didn't care. What the story that her brain was planted yeah. into her body. Uh, from his acting, I thought he didn't believe it and just squashed it aside as a, like, uh, yeah, just ignored the woman. He should have been played by Billy Zane from Titanic. He was that kind of character. The bad guy from Titanic. The bad guy from Titanic. Yeah. The iceberg. The iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> He's very good at that snobbish, like, oh, not you, my darling. What did you think to the husband character? It's a bit two-dimensional, maybe, but uh, the movie needed to end somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I kept waiting for it to turn into a bloodbath, which it didn't. I thought it was going to end, like, in a very Tarantino way. They, they wanted to cut off her clitoris. Mm-hmm. It's very nasty. They show like the equipment as well. It's like, ugh, wrong. And then she wants to run away. The guy, his previous husband, wants to drug her to go through this procedure. And then they have the little showdown. And then while they're arguing, there's like swords behind them. Yeah, the like, whole room's full of weapons. The whole room is full of weapons. I kept waiting for her to reach over. Just quah, quah. <laughs> <laughs> Just do like the Bruce Lee. I was I was expecting the help to get involved. Okay, yeah. I thought that she would like incapacitate him some way, like getting shot in the foot, and that the help would just come up and beat him to death. Oh yeah. Oh, speaking of maid. Yeah. What did you think of Mrs. Prim? Mrs. Prim. Yeah, my my namesake. You haven't heard of Mrs. Prim? Oh yeah, the the yeah. lady. Yeah. She was called Mrs. Prim. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> I've done it. I made it. Prim and proper, I guess. Maybe because it was largely filmed in Hungary. Or has a largely Hungarian production team. Prim is not a Hungarian name. I mean, I guess technically it is because I am <laughs> I am Hungarian. But uh, it is a German name. Okay. Here's how I thought it was going to end. Yeah. So obviously, dickhead husband gets shot in the foot and dragged to the surgery bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, simultaneously... Willem Dafoe's character dies. I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> I thought, yeah, they're gonna resurrect him in a way. It would have been a cheap, happy ending. Yes. Which is why they haven't done that. Yeah. And they probably told it in that manner 
to give you expectations to then subvert them. Yeah. And then he seemed happy with his death. Like, he seemed happy to go. Yeah. What do you think about, like, the chain of abuse? Which is, he talks about his father abused him all the time. But he doesn't talk about it like that. He he talks about, like, experiments. Like, he branded my penis <laughs> and things like that. And he scarred my face and, and took out all my acids from my stomach <laughs> that's fucked up what's with the bubble by the way so his stomach acids don't work so he's hooked up to this machine that i guess digests the food for him and he does a big burp and there's a bubble so i think it's just a byproduct of the machine oh yeah obviously yeah but why have that in the film because <laughs> it's funny <laughs> <laughs> i thought the, the other thing is they put the brain of the husband into the goat should've yep. s- we should have seen the goat. <laughs> we sh- but we see the husband's body with the goat's brain. I think they just killed the... They threw it away would be the... Yeah? Yeah, we'll just say... I we'll thought see. they they exchanged that. Okay. That would have been funnier, I think. You see, the, you see the goat banging on the door yeah. or something. <laughs> and it was weird, like, they basically killed the guy and put the goat's brain into a man's body, <laughs> the, this, this asshole's body. And it was like a very weird ending when they're all just sitting there and laughing and ha ha ha, what a good time we have. I was like, hmm, <laughs> I like that. It's kind of like dark but funny. It's kind of what would happen like at the end of Shrek, like so- something like that, right? It's a lot of similarities. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo, get out of my swamp. Do you think Mark Ruffalo gave like Hulk notes to Emma Stone? How to baby talk? And things like that. Emma Stone smash. (laughs) Emma Stone's like fire. Raging fire. But Mark Ruffalo is like smoldering fire. That's from Thor Ragnarok. Yes. (laughs) The only thing I would say about this film is not a film I would recommend to many people. If you generally listen to this podcast and you're on the Dan side of things, you will like this film. If you're generally on the me side of things, you will not like this film. I recommend you watch it with your grandma and film her reaction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Gets the weirdo movie still of approval. It does. And even you liked it. I did. What would you rate it? I would give it like a solid... Ooh, that's a good question, actually. I'm somewhere between 7 and 8, leaning towards 8. Okay. I'm somewhere between 8 and 9, leaning towards 9. So there you go. One point difference. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And watch Poor Things. With caution. <laughs> no, with your grandma. <laughs> Is your grandma named Caution? Then watch it with caution. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>